fantastic. When did you paint this, JJ? What? This. Oh, last week. What is it? I call it Black Jesus. Black Jesus. Now, this is what the brothers need. Groovy, super, heavy. Relax, Michael. It's only a painting, not the second coming. <laughs> sure is a shame to keep this in the closet. Hey, since both are just symbols of Jesus, a black family should have a black symbol. If mama sees that there, she gonna kill you. <laughs> Jesus may have your soul, but mama gonna have your behind. <laughs> this is black Jesus. Oh, that's nice. He's hanging there for black history. Junior, what made you think black Jesus? His face came to me in a vision. Mm. <laughs> it seems to be coming to me in a vision, too. <laughs> it's Ned the Wino. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Would you say that again? Uh-oh. I meant her. I said it's Ned the Warner. No wonder his eyes are red like fire. <laughs> it's from drinking Muscatel. <laughs> Michael, did you know this was Ned Duino? Sure, but that's not important. It's just a symbol. It is important. Junior, before I tear your divine skinny arms out of your divine string bean body, why did you pick up all people Ned Duino for Black Jesus? Well, he passed out in the gutter, and he's the only one who holds still long enough to hold. <laughs> I swear, I wish I would have lived in the 70s at least one year, 79. Such good music, good cultural happenings, good TV shows. 1974, a new show aired called Good Times. Now this show, along with Sanford and Son, it was the first of its kind. You see, Fox, uh, folks watching the show at home saw something different than what they were used to watching. When most TV shows lacked any minorities whatsoever as characters, Good Times featured black people as main characters. The show was the first to fictionally portray the real-life circumstances and challenges of inner-city black folks living in a housing project in poverty. The show featured the Evans family, and to see the Evans family on TV was something different for America. The clip we just saw is from the Black Jesus episode of Good Times. In the episode, the mother, Florida Evans, reacts to something different herself. It's a portrait painted by her eldest son, JJ, which depicts Jesus as black. Now, she probably grew up like many of us did, with pictures of blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus hanging in the house. Anyone here? Oh, you know what it is. Oh, I see a hand way in the back. I see it. Florida thinks, black Jesus, it's sort of silly. For one, she's never really thought of Jesus as possibly being back. But two, that's just not the Jesus she's used to. And then the real kicker is when she finds out that the model for this black Jesus is Ned the Wino, oh, it's veto time. It's only after the family begins to experience small miracles 
that Florida is inclined to let black Jesus and white Jesus hang on the wall together. And she finally begins to realize, as you saw her youngest son encourages her, that no matter what color or image Jesus is, whatever hangs in the house, those are just images. The images are symbols that point to what Christ represents. Incarnation, God with and God within us, the light of the world. And so Christ helps us realize our fullest potential even in midst of difficult circumstances, something by which the Evans family knows all too well. You see, they find ways to survive and thrive no matter what befalls them. Not even a different image of Jesus can tear them apart. It only brings them closer together. You see, our reactions to difference, they carry the risk of tearing us apart, but they also carry the potential to bring us closer together. You see, we've all struggled with differences. Even the early church struggled with questions of sameness and difference. Questions like, was the good news only for folks in the Jewish tradition, or would different folks, Gentiles, would they be welcome too? And with different groups of people comes different images of Jesus. And some of these images of Jesus made folks very uncomfortable, much like the image of Jesus we encounter today in our gospel reading. That might make you a little uncomfortable. In our lesson today, we get a glimpse of not what Jesus might do, but actually what Jesus really did do when he encounters a certain woman. Now first, imagine with me for a minute the context for today's lesson. Here's Jesus, this prophet, this healer who miraculously feeds thousands. He heals sick people all around him. And then he confronts religious leaders about not being inclusive enough to poor and outcast Jewish folks. Speaking truth to power and confronting religious leaders about their ignorance and their prejudice, it isn't easy at all. So Jesus, what does he do? He goes far north to the region of Tyre and Sidon just for some R&R, &R, some rest and relaxation. He just wants to get away from it all, just get away for a minute. He wants to concentrate on taking care of his own spiritual self. But as any minister will tell you, it's hard to get away from it all. Because everywhere you go, people are looking for some type of good news. Everywhere you go, there are opportunities to transform lives. Oh, but we still try, amen? Jesus tries to focus on self-care, but then he hears shouts behind them. You heard Elisa read the gospel reading. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Help me and my daughter who is being tormented. This lady shouts. Now Jesus tries to ignore her, but she continues. Have mercy, Jesus. And then the disciples around Jesus, they beg him to tell this lady to get lost. Get rid of her, Jesus. Now it's odd, is it not? What happened to the compassionate Jesus? Like Florida Evans from Good Times, this is not the Jesus we all grew up with. This Jesus tells hurting women to get lost? Maybe Jesus is just playing around with her, right? Maybe he's just fooling around. You think so? Maybe he's making her earn her miracle, testing her to see how bad she really wants it and needs it. Oh, that sounds very compassionate, does it not? 
What is it about this woman that irks Jesus? What is it about her that irks his followers? And even though you might be scared to say it or even think it, I will do that for you. <laughs> what irks everyone so much is that this woman is different. She isn't a southern genteel woman. No, she's a northern Gentile woman. One who has no name but is rather labeled a Canaanite. Now, what you may not know is that Canaanites and Jewish folks were not the best of friends way back when. At least that's what the stories tell us. They were considered arch enemies. Think to yourself, the 1950s, the Cold War here in the U.S., the Canaanite-Jewish relationship is a lot like the capitalist-communist debates. You see, no one trusts the other side, right? We both demonize each other as wanting to bring society down. Oh, those socialists will always be against us, and we will always be against them. And so what do we do? We make up red scare stories of communists as boogeyman coming to get you in the middle of the night. And we rejoice. We rejoice when communist societies fail, not really caring about the people in those societies, but just caring that we won. Years earlier, ancient Israelites, you see, they were given a land of milk and honey, the land of Canaan. Well, guess who was on that land? Canaanites. Canaanites and others were on that land. In Deuteronomy 7, we read that they were directed to destroy many groups of people, including the Canaanites. And so you see, Jesus ignoring this woman is pretty mild, because according to Scripture, he should be killing her. This woman might be bothering Jesus, but this image of Jesus, I guarantee, is undoubtedly bothering all of us. And if you're not irked by this Jesus, you should be. Because that's the purpose of the story, to make us all very uncomfortable. But if you're not bothered yet, wait and see what happens next. Jesus finally speaks to the woman, and what does he say? I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, sorry, sister. You can beg, you can cry all you want, but my ministry is not for you. How are you feeling now? Are you feeling uncomfortable with this Jesus? Oh, if you're not, guess what? There's more. And after pleading her case yet again, Jesus thinks, well, I'll just send her packing with this one. I'll be a little bit more blunt. It's not fair, he tells her, to take food meant for children and give it to little dogs like you. And now you're uncomfortable. You ever been called a dog in your life? And howling at karaoke night does not count. But how would you feel if you were? A few years ago, I remember talking with hotel cooks who happened to be people of color. They were being treated like slaves at work, and once they told me how their boss used to call them his little brown doggies. Now, that boss didn't last too long working at that hotel, but if I was this Canaanite woman, I wouldn't have lasted this long trying to talk with Jesus after what he just said. There's no way to hide it. If this is a test, like so many of us want to believe, it's a mean one. 
and all scholars agree, conservative, moderate, liberal scholars, they all agree that the word dogs is not a flattering term. You see, dogs were dirty scavengers in the ancient world. They'd come into houses and steal any scraps of food they could find. You call me a little dirty dog, and I have no time for you. But here's this poor Canaanite woman. She isn't done yet. Now, most people think she ever so softly replies to Jesus with these words. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the table. Oh, sounds very genteel, right? No, she doesn't use that tone. She's been shouting throughout the whole conversation, the whole scene. Of course she doesn't respond like that. She's upset. She is indignant. Indignant like activist David Cato when he was indignant, experiencing apartheid in South Africa. She is indignant like activist David Cato when he was fighting to affirm the sacred value of gays and lesbians in Uganda before being brutally murdered. She is indignant like Rosa Parks was when she refused to remove herself from that Montgomery, Alabama bus seat to make room for a white person. This Canaanite woman is indignant. And so with the fullest breath of her humanity and the God who dwells within her, she boldly says, how dare you, Lord? I may be a little dog in the eyes of your people, but thank God that even little dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And just like the silence we have now, that was the exact silence that happened between Jesus and that Canaanite woman. I imagine in this silence, time just stops for Jesus. You see, he begins to realize in that moment that the stories that he heard growing up about how heretically different the Canaanites are, that the stories are simply not true. The Canaanites are not our enemies. He must be thinking this. He must see this woman and ask himself, how can this poor woman, this child of God, be considered a dog when the beautiful and loving presence of God lives within her? No, no, no. We've had it wrong for all these years. Woman, woman, woman. Great is your faith. Those four words, great is your faith. Oh, there's so much meaning behind them. Jesus tells her, great is your faith. Basically saying, when I was caught up in my own world and what I thought were the boundaries of my ministry and what God has called me to do, when I for a moment chose to only focus on the sameness of my people instead of affirming the difference of our people, you stood up. You spoke truth from your inner being, relying on and trusting God so much that I now see that good news is not just for me and my people, but also for Gentiles and Canaanites, people who have been unjustly characterized as our enemies, people who are different than me. God's love is everyone because God lives within everyone. Oh, and then he says, woman, great is your faith. These four words carry special meaning in my life. There have been times when I did not value difference as much as I do today. Growing up as a young boy, I noticed quite early that I was different. 
Now, I'm not talking about the difference between boys playing with toy cars and others with Barbie dolls. I was too busy with my Easy Bake Oven for all that. <laughs> when I talk about not valuing difference, I'm talking about my own brown skin. I'm not exactly sure how it came about, but I remember becoming aware of it at a very early age. With my mother being a single parent, she didn't like to rely too much on my grandparents. You see, she wanted to be a, you know, a strong, independent woman. So she found a great babysitter who just happened to be white, and I absolutely loved her. She was great. She would take care of me and only me along with her grandkids. But it was with them that I really became aware of my own skin color, and not because the babysitter was racist, not at all. On the contrary, they loved me as their own, and I was almost treated better than their own grandkids. And yet still, somehow, and some way, I began to hate my own skin. I'm not sure if I wanted to be like my babysitter's family, because they just seemed like the perfect family, really. All the adults were married. My mother was single and had never been married. All the adults in their family had great paying jobs. Meanwhile, my mother did not have the best paying job, and we were always struggling. I don't know, but I remember beginning to wish, beginning to wish I was white. It seemed as though everywhere I looked, it was just better to be white. At my babysitters, I look on TV, especially in sixth grade when I started attending a magnet school across town here in Houston. The majority of magnet students in the school were white. And you see, that's where I wanted to be. That's how I wanted to grow up. Not back in the neighborhood where the Latinos were. I wanted to be the same as white people. And so you know what happened? Growing up, I refused to learn Spanish. I did not want to learn it. I did not even want to learn to play soccer because soccer, in my ignorant mind, was for immigrants and Mexicans, not me. I'm American. I don't know how many times I looked at myself, and it was like I was literally looking at a brown dog, something that wasn't good enough, something that was just too different. I hated what I saw. And it wasn't until I left for college that I was able to begin to accept some truth and beauty that I hold. It happened at Oral Roberts University, a fundamentalist Christian school, which was overwhelmingly white. <laughs> One would have thought that my image problems would get worse. But then, as I questioned hypocritical, orthodox Christian doctrines, as I began to question long-standing traditional beliefs, I then began to question my own notions of sameness and difference. And then you add into the mix my own sexuality struggles, and I had no choice but to come out. But before I came out as a gay man, I had to come out of the closet as a Latino, as a Chicano, as a Mexican-American. I had to learn to love myself, to love my heritage, to learn Spanish, to love my beautiful brown skin, to love that I'm a person of color, and to love the many aspects of culture that I so wanted to deny before. Before I could accept my different sexuality, I had to accept and affirm my different cultural background. You see, just as the Evans in Good Times embraced a black Jesus, I had to embrace Jesucristo. 
Thankfully, there were people in my life who helped me see the truth. Friends at school, musicians and bands I played with, professors who allowed me to process life in class, people I worked with in the restaurant industry. Many of them were undocumented immigrants themselves who were struggling to come out of the shadows of society, and yet here they were, helping me to come out and embrace my cultural backgrounds. All of these individuals challenged me to accept difference and to celebrate it. I don't know how many times I was told, Michael, Miguel, Maikito, great is your faith. Because that they affirmed me, today I'm able to stand in the mirror and look at that different person and tell myself, great is your faith. I ask you this morning, are you able to tell yourself those four words? Maybe you need to hear it from others first. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Many of us here today, we are struggling with being different. You see, it may not be like me. For some, it has to do with coming out as a same-gender loving person. For others, it may be coming out as a parent of a same-gender loving person. And yet still others, maybe even like baby Ariana, it's like coming out as a child of same-gender loving people. Whoever you are, great is your faith. Some of us here this morning are wrestling with how to respond to a bad diagnosis. And you are struggling with whether to accept what the doctor says or be different and fight for your life and fight for your miracle. Great is your faith. Some in this room are struggling with finances and troubled relationships. For others, life circumstances are taking their toll on you and your loved ones. But you are struggling to be different and to not let your circumstances have the last word. Great is your faith. For others, maybe you're ashamed of your past and our struggle is to be different and not let our past define us. Great is your faith and still some others. Maybe you need to come out as Latino or Afro-Caribbean or just simply black. You are beginning to celebrate difference, and if you do, great is your faith. I dare say this morning that sameness and difference are not mutually exclusive. You see, we cannot celebrate our oneness with God without celebrating the wondrous differences amongst God's creatures. Remember that we are all images of Christ representing God here on earth. And so embrace the differences. Because you see, just like black Jesus, just like the Canaanite woman, the differences can bring us all closer together to continue spreading, to continue receiving good news, and to truly, to truly celebrate good times. Amen? Amen. Now we have an affirmation. I want you all to stand if you're able, and let's say this affirmation together. We celebrate our oneness with God by celebrating the wondrous differences amongst God's creatures. God bless you today.